Did I mention this was Trinity Sunday? It is Trinity Sunday, and it's the one Sunday of the year when we stop and pay tribute to this important doctrine of the church. But interestingly, it's a doctrine we quickly put back on the shelf. I think in part because it's so hard to understand or to make sense of. I can remember as a child being told, you know, not to ask too many questions about the Trinity. But just remember that it's one God in three persons. And it's a mystery. And we were encouraged to accept that. I can remember, too, a number of years ago, Kim and I taught confirmation at our church, and we'd always get to the Trinity, and it would be a little bit awkward trying to invite these young people to gain some understanding about the Trinity. Again, we'd say, well, it's one God and three persons. Don't ask any questions. (laughs) Somehow we've been invited to just accept that. And as a result... We don't give it as much attention as we probably should. There's something very significant about the Trinity and what it means to us as Christians. Karl Rahner said, uh, who was a, a Catholic theologian of the last century and a big part of Vatican II, he said that if we were to simply take the Trinity and put it aside, the church would probably not even notice That's how unfamiliar we are, he was suggesting, with the true meaning of the Trinity. Father Richard Rohr says that a mystery is not something we can't understand. It's something that we can understand in infinite ways. And that is a good description of the Trinity. It's something we can understand in infinite ways. And it's important that we try to do so. That we try to get our our minds and our lives and our experience around the significance of this particular teaching of the church. How many of you have seen the movie, The Shack? (laughs) Or read the book, The Shack? Yeah, so there's an invitation for us to experience the mystery in a new way. And it's it's, uh, understandable that it has caught people's imaginations. And it has invited us to think of God in a different way, that God is Papa, an African-American woman. That Jesus really is a Middle Eastern carpenter. How about that? And the Holy Spirit might be an Asian woman, an Asian woman who comes in our midst to help us understand how God is at work in our lives. And throughout that story, God takes different forms and God reveals God's self in many different ways, but inviting us to expand our understanding of who God is. There are lots of young people who are feeling uncomfortable with the church and not at home in the church, and many of them are saying it's partly because the church tends to be too exclusive that it's leaving a lot of people out, and the God of the church is too small. And I think our traditional understanding of the Trinity is really too small, that we have looked at the Trinity as something that's very static. That In my mind, I see this, this triangle up in the clouds where God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are somehow commiserating. They're hanging out together, keeping an eye on all of us, watching down. They're distant. God is a little upset with us. 
And when we have an understanding of that, it really shapes everything that we do and say. And it can be a problem. And you can understand why young people might say, well, there might be a different way to understand who God is. And if God really is loving, then God is probably more inclusive than the church often tends to be. But there are people who are reclaiming an understanding of the Trinity that is wider, that is broader, that is more dynamic than that static understanding. And really, it's not something new. It's a hearkening back to the beginning of our faith and to a more traditional understanding of who the Trinity is. I want to share a, a writing from a modern monk, Brother Elias Maricall of the Monastery of the Holy Spirit in Conyers, Georgia. He writes about the Trinity, but he's writing looking back at his Orthodox roots. And he's reflecting on how uh, the Trinity has been understood in lots of different circles throughout the tradition, but something that's been lost as we've made it more static and objectified God. He writes that the ancient Greek fathers depict the Trinity as a round dance. Imagine that. A round dance, an event that has continued for 6,000 years and six times 6,000 and beyond the time when humans first knew time. An infinite current of love streams without ceasing to and fro, to and fro, to and fro, gliding from the Father to the Son and back to the Father in one timeless happening. This circular current of Trinitarian love continues night and day. The orderly and rhythmic process of subatomic particles spinning round and round at immense speed echoes its dynamism. How about that for a description of God? There is a coming together of science and theology in our world today that recognizes that God is evolutionary. God is at work in the world, creating and recreating all the time. And that we're invited somehow to be participants in that loving flow of God, or that loving flow that is God, that God is love. That's the dynamic of the Trinity. Love that is embracing all the world and infusing everything. On the communion table today is an icon from the 15th century. I, don't, I know you can't see this real well, but it's probably an image you've seen before. You may not have known what you were looking at. But this uh, was drawn by Andrei Rublev, who was a Russian Orthodox monk. And he did this in 1430 or thereabouts. But he based this on the story of Abraham and his visit at the Oaks of Mamre by the Lord. And if you remember that story in the 18th chapter of Genesis, there were three figures that appeared as the Lord. They weren't called the Trinity. The Trinity doesn't appear in Scripture. And that, that word is not in our Scriptures. But Abraham and Sarah entertained the Lord who appeared in three persons. And Abraham and Sarah prepared a meal and they sat down together. And Andrei Rublev entitled this the Trinity. And there are three figures here seated at table together. And what's interesting about this, there are several things I think, but I just want to point out a few, is one is that God is seated over here. I would have thought, or God the Creator, the Father, 
as we understand traditionally, is on the side rather than at the point of the pyramid here, or the triangle in this rendition. And, and uh, it, the colors didn't come through, but God, the Father, Creator, is wearing gold, which is a color of fullness and perfection. And uh, Jesus is in the middle, wearing blue, and blue mirrors both uh, the seas and the heavens, the blue of the sky, the blue of the waters, again, the coming together of heaven and earth. And this figure is holding up two fingers, which is very common in icons of Christ. Two fingers representing the divinity and humanity of Christ. And then the third figure is dressed in green, representing the Holy Spirit. And the green rep represents the fecundity of life, the fertility of life, the infusing of the Spirit that makes things grow and become. And the Holy Spirit is pointing down at the table, or perhaps at this open space in the front of the circle of the three of these. Historians have looked at this, and you can't see from where you are, but there's a little rectangle here, and I heard Father Richard Rohr talk about this recently, and he mentioned that this rectangle has been a bit of a mystery for people over the centuries, but Historians have looked at this and they've actually taken the original icon and they found that there was glue there where this rectangle was. And some speculate that there was actually a mirror attached at that place at the table. And that people would come to the icon and they would see their own reflection. And they would see that they were being invited to participate in the dynamic work of the Trinity. That there's a place at the table for all of you for all of us, that we are participants in this loving flow of God in the world. I think that's a good place to stop this weekend. And when I say stop, I really mean start. Because I know that today we have commencement ceremonies for both Ruah and for Bokhare. And we are invited, you all are invited now to participate in this flow of God's love in the world. That we are coming to the table this morning, again to be fed and nurtured and sustained, but sent forth to be that presence in the world, to take out what you've learned, what you've experienced together. That ruah, the breath of God flowing through you that sense of call and purpose that is yours, yours uniquely to do in the world, that the transformative work of God depends on us. We are meant to be players at the table and a part of this Trinitarian work, that there's a fourth place for us. I want to leave you with a poem by Rainer Maria Rilke that occurred to me this morning as I was walking down here, and I thought, well, that speaks to this invitation. It speaks to our being part of the creation story that you've heard of. It speaks to God saying, I'm with you. Go forth and live your life to the fullest. It begins this way. God speaks to us as we are made. And think of God now in the sense of that Trinitarian flow, that love, that relationship 
In the beginning was the relationship, and we are called to be a part of it. God speaks to us as we are made, and then walks with us out of the night. And these are the words we dimly hear. You sent out beyond your recall. Go to the limits of your longing. Embody me. Embody me. Let everything happen to you. Beauty and terror. No feeling is final. Just keep going. Nearby is the country they call life. Right there in metropolitan Richmond. Nearby is the country they call life. You will know it by its seriousness. Give me your hand.